Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. From Mamma Mia, I'm Claire Murphy. This is The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. We talk quite a bit about toxic masculinity. With the rise of men like Andrew Tate teaching young men how to be the alpha male, we've seen just how this kind of guidance can have a direct impact on the way in which men view the women around them. But how do you anti-Andrew Tate a generation of young men? How do you get them to see past the flashy cars, the high-flying lifestyle and cool power this man seems to hold to teach them about positive masculinity? Well, the Australian government seems to think they might have a way. Today, we find out about the Healthy Masculinities Project and how it's hoping to turn young men from dangerous presence to positive partner. But first, your news headlines for Friday, November 10. Optus director Matt Williams says he knows after experiencing two major crises in the past 18 months, their customers may be looking to turn to other phone service providers. Customers, politicians and business figures have unleashed a storm of criticism after the telco suffered a 12-hour outage on Wednesday, the interruption to its services coming just as the company was recovering from a data breach in September 2022 that affected millions of customers and led to the theft of passport, driver's licence and Medicare numbers that were later leaked online. Williams says that they really value the relationships they've had with their customers. Yesterday, CEO Kelly Bayer-Rosmarin offering extra data packages to all affected, with postpaid users eligible for 200 gig more and prepaid able to access free unlimited data on weekends until the end of the year. Israel has agreed to humanitarian pauses to allow people to move south away from the increased ground fighting in northern Gaza. Israel will start daily pauses for four hours a day, the decision coming after the US held discussions with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The pauses will allow citizens to get out of harm's way and for the delivery of humanitarian aid into the region, where food, water and fuel are in increasingly dwindling supply. The UN High Commissioner for Human Rights has said that both Israel and Hamas have committed war crimes, calling for an immediate ceasefire. But White House National Security spokesperson John Kirby said a ceasefire was not in order. Teachers in South Australia have threatened further strikes if they aren't offered better paying conditions, but the government is hopeful they can find a resolution. Thousands of Australian Education Union members walked off the job yesterday in the midst of Year 12 exams after discussions over a new enterprise bargaining agreement reached a deadlock. AEU SA branch president Andrew Gull said there are 1,800 students across SA who have no regular teacher in front of them, saying the SA government is focused on short-term political views rather than a long-term solution. South Australian teachers are amongst the lowest paid in the country, with graduates earning less than $75,000 a year. The union rejecting a revised offer from the Malinowskis government, saying many lower paid teachers would actually be worse off. 
A group of farmers are getting on the front foot, reaching out to their colleagues across New South Wales and Queensland as they prepare for a difficult season ahead. With falling livestock prices, rising interest rates and drier, hotter El Nino conditions this spring and summer, bringing potential drought conditions, farmers are gearing up for a difficult season ahead. There are concerns farmers will be dealing with mental health issues alone, so a group of them are hitting the road for a series of workshops to help others mentally prepare. One in five Australians will develop a mental illness each year, while only 30% of those will seek help, that number falling the more remote a person is. The practical meetings to be held in 11 towns across Queensland and New South Wales are hoping to change that. Jared Leto has gone to some extreme lengths for his career, but his plan to help promote his band 30 Seconds to Mars' new tour might be the most extreme. Overnight, Leto scaled the Empire State Building in New York solo, only stopping for a bit on the 80th floor after he spotted his mum inside watching him. He told the Today Show host that the view when he finally reached the 102nd floor was incredible. A photo shows the singer standing on a ledge outside a window enjoying the sunrise. Leto is known for his love of scaling buildings and other natural rock formations. He climbed a Berlin hotel back in June without a rope or harness. That's your latest news headlines in a moment. Today's Deep Dive. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. We know that 25% of teenage boys in Australia are looking up to social media personalities who perpetuate harmful gender stereotypes, uh, aggression to one's peers, but also towards women and actually condone violence against women. That's Social Services Minister Amanda Rishworth speaking to radio station WSFM after the federal government announced that they're committing $3.5 million to trial a project that aims to help combat harmful gender stereotypes held by boys who've been exposed to the teachings of online personalities like Andrew Tate. Tate, if you're not across, is all about men taking back their power. He believes in evolutionary theories that mean men have a certain role to play in society and women another, but that men are the dominant gender. In December 2022, the British-American online personality was arrested in Romania where he'd been living and charged with rape, human trafficking and forming an organised criminal group to sexually exploit women. Up to that point, he'd been inviting young men who were spending an awful lot more time online during the COVID pandemic to join him in the Manosphere, his web of blogs, forums and websites that encouraged his followers, mostly young men, to believe that their masculinity is somehow in peril and that they needed to adopt his form of misogynist opposition to feminism in order to reclaim that power. I think what social media can do for boys is it just provides somewhere to go when you're trying to find an answer to the question of how to be in the world. And what I see when they end up with someone like Andrew Tate 
the kind of you know very very important influencer who's was deplatformed for misogyny and has now been arrested. Why did he get 12 billion TikTok views? Why was he the third most searched person on the internet last year after Donald Trump and Queen Elizabeth? Why was he ranked as the most important influencer in the world by US teens? Mm. And I think the answer is because he is providing an answer to the question of how should I be a man in the world today? How do I go from being a boy to a man? That's Brookings Institute scholar and acclaimed author Richard Reeves speaking to the We Are Man Enough podcast. Just last month on Twitter, now rebranded X, Tate wrote, I reject women who've slept with more than three men. Vile. While that encouraged more women to head off and get at least four notches on their bedposts, his words are still taken as gospel by groups of young men who take this in and adapt it as their own thinking. They believe him when he says that his arrest for alleged terrible crimes against women, that he's only being targeted because of his status. We get tens of thousands of messages from people every single day supporting us and they understand that we're not the first affluent, wealthy men who have been unfairly attacked. In our, in our situation, unfortunately, it happens quite often. With his expensive cars, promises that you too can be just like him, rich, powerful, in control, it creates a sexy, addictive narrative that this is a world men were supposed to inhabit at the expense of women. So how do you undo all of that? How do you anti-Andrew Tate a generation of young men who've been convinced that they are superior and they like it? Dr. Stephanie Westacott is a lecturer in Humanities and Social Sciences in the Faculty of Education, School of Education, Culture and Society at Monash University, who, along with her colleague, Professor Stephen Roberts, has been researching the effects of Tate's influence in Australian schools. Dr. Westacott, do we actually have tangible evidence that Tate's teachings are having an impact on how young boys are behaving in the school environment? So the way that we are measuring that at the moment is by listening to women and listening to their testimony. And the women that we have spoken to that come from states and territories all across Australia, in primary, in secondary settings and across sectors, Catholic, independent public, they are telling us that Andrew Tate's ideology, Andrew Tate's beliefs, his statements about women, they are being repeated in their classrooms and in the school grounds. So that is the evidence that we are taking that there is a connection between what boys are viewing online and how they are showing up in their classrooms. What we also know is that there is a long history of sexism and sexual harassment and misogyny in schools. There is research dating back more than 25 years. So that part itself is not new. But what women are telling us is that there is a connection between Andrew Tate's rise in popularity on social media and a change in boys' behaviour at school towards women and girls. Those two things seem to be connected. And this is information that women offered to us without us having to prompt them. We didn't go seeking an answer to the question, can you tell us exactly when this happened? They were all able to tell us exactly the point in time where behaviour from boys shifted and the lines really closely with Tate's increase in popularity. So our suggestion is that that connection is very strong. Can you give us an idea of when that did actually happen and what kind of things teachers in this environment are reporting? What kind of behaviours? So most of the women talking to us are saying that it occurred upon students' return from remote schooling. So around in the last 12 to 18 months is the time frame that they're giving us. 
So we're sort of suggesting that boys spend a lot of time outside of their normal social spheres and there wasn't therefore an opportunity for them to sort of mediate the things that they were hearing on social media and test them out with their friends and test them out with adults as they normally would and then have those views moderated a little bit. So the kind of things that women are telling us are that there's like sort of the low level stuff like saying, you know, I'm a top G, which is one of Andrew Tate's phrases about being this sort of hyper-masculine and dominant figure among your social group. And then there are things that boys say that are connected to admirations of Tate's wealth, so talking about his Bugattis, his cars and things like that. And then there's the more sinister stuff that speaks to Andrew Tate's ideology around disrespect for women. So boys might say things like, Miss, Andrew Tate says that women shouldn't be allowed to drive. What do you think about that? Or they might say, Miss, what do you think about Andrew Tate in a classroom setting that really puts women on the spot because there's, you know, 20 to 25 other people listening? And women really do take that as quite a threatening thing because we assume that boys know what most women would think about Andrew Tate. I mean, he's not exactly our greatest champion and our greatest supporter. So there's those kind of things. But then there's really intense examples of misogyny and sexual harassment that women say has really increased. And even is extreme to the extent that two of our participants have left teaching because they were unable to cope with boys' behaviour towards them. What impact does this have? I mean, obviously there is a very direct impact on teachers, but what impact does the teachings of Andrew Tate have on the girls that are in this school environment with these boys? It's very concerning to think about how this is affecting girls because they are seeing the most vile and abhorrent things spoken out loud about them as if they are truth and as if they are facts. So what we know is that girls in Victoria, at least, are reporting on a survey that is distributed to them about how they're feeling at school. They're broadly reporting that they're feeling unsafe and that they're feeling unhappy at school. And a number of our participants have mentioned that to us. So we have a quantitative way of knowing that girls are reporting decreasing levels of safety and satisfaction at school. We also know women are reporting to us that girls have gone silent in their classrooms, that where once girls might dominate classroom discussions or at least take, you know, enthusiastic part in classroom discussions, girls are actually now not feeling safe enough to participate. There was also an example from one of our participants that girls were removed from her subject because it wasn't safe for them in that classroom because of the boys in there, which is a real loss because that was a subject that those girls excelled in. And so for them to be removed is almost a punishment for what is actually the boys' bad behaviour. So I don't think it's too extreme at all to suggest that this is having a very serious impact on girls' education, let alone just their feelings of safety and wellbeing. So we know the government is doing something to try and tackle this and the Healthy Masculine Project is hoping to intercept those harmful messages of extremist toxic masculinity. But my question to you is, how do you make that message equally as sexy and alluring as the message that Andrew Tate puts out there? This is the challenge, right? There's clearly something very appealing and very alluring in Andrew Tate's message. And I think we really need to come to an understanding of why that is. Why are boys turning to this extremist, misogynist figure as a person who is really for them telling them a meaningful story? So I think that's something that we need to get to the bottom of. 
there is some evidence amongst our study that their sort of allegiance to Andrew Tate is in response to their perception of a loss of power and a loss of status among their peers and in society more broadly, presumably because of the post Me Too movement where women started to speak up more and have less of a tolerance for particular types of behaviour. So that is certainly something that we believe is having an impact as well. But there are things that we do know work in these types of interventions. So what we would hope is that in this government trial, we would hope the government take an evidence-based approach and listen to the experts and take the advice on what we know works in these interventions. And there are some key things that work. The first thing is that programs like this need to be really long-term. So we need to work with boys, not just on a one-off basis, not just get their favourite footy player into talks without being nice to girls. This program probably will need to follow them for at least a year or throughout high school. We also need to take a gender transformative approach to this. This is what the evidence tells us. And I need to shout out here to my colleague, Professor Steve Roberts, who does a lot of work in this space. What we need to do is allow young people, boys and girls, to reimagine what it means to exist in the world and to uncouple stereotypes and norms around gender that may be self-limiting and restrictive to them. Violence against women in Australia is showing no signs of ending in this generation. Perhaps we can seek to end it for the next. Stephanie says toxic masculinity hurts men as much as it does women. Maybe not physically, but as far as how they can live and grow, it can be just as harmful. And so it's important that this type of education happens and happens now. What Andrew Tate teaches boys and men is that there is one type of masculinity and that is a type of masculinity that is actually quite oppressive to them and may place limitations on how they are able to exist in the world and the types of relationships that they can have to girls and women. But the other point is that we have endemic rates of violence against women in this country. Misogyny is part of the fabric of our country, it always has been. And so we cannot afford to let this continue for another generation. We just cannot have another generation of women and girls who are subject to violence and sexism. It's not good enough that we've allowed this to continue for so long. It's great that the government has identified that there is a connection between what young people are seeing online and behaviours that show up in relationships, but it's an absolute tragedy, the rates of domestic violence in this country and the rate at which women are killed by men, and we cannot afford to let it go on any longer. The Healthy Masculinities Project will begin in 2024. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon.